It's Tuesday, January 12, 2020. 112 days since the House began its impeachment inquiry. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning. I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. The trial of the president is set to likely start this week. And it's kind of like being at the very top of a roller coaster here personally. You know where it's going to end up, but there's going to be a lot of screaming before then. Okay, today we're talking to The Atlantic's political reporter extraordinaire, McKay Coppins, about chief example of why you should never try to iron your shirt sleeve while wearing it, Senator Mitt Romney. But before we get to all that, let's catch up on what happened yesterday. Okay, y'all, I am just going to put this out there. Monday was just really freaking weird when it came to impeachment news. First, we learned that Senator Cory Booker was dropping out of the race for the Democratic presidential nomination. We bring this up because he's slated to be one of the jurors in the president's impeachment trial, and he cited that role in his announcement that he's suspending his campaign. Our campaign has reached the point where we need more money to scale up and continue building a campaign that can win, Booker wrote in a statement. Money we don't have and money that is harder to raise because I won't be on the next debate stage and because the urgent business of impeachment will rightly be keeping me in Washington. Then we learned that our old friend, Lev Parnas, has some tidbits to share with Congress. Parnas, as you may recall, worked with Trump lawyer turned budget Ben Sherlock Holmes, Rudy Giuliani, to dig up information about Joe Biden and 2016 election-related conspiracy theories in Ukraine. He was arrested for alleged campaign finance violations in September and proceeded to flip like Simone Biles on Rudy and the president. And in that vein, his lawyer last weekend turned over the contents of one of Parnas's phones to House Intelligence Committee investigators. That equals scores of WhatsApp messages, text messages, photos, and thousands of pages of documents. A federal judge also ordered on Monday that Parnas and his lawyers could share the contents of another three devices with Congress. How and if all this new potential information about the president's role in Giuliani's efforts, which, as a reminder, got his client impeached, how all this will play into the Senate trial is still a big old TBD. Later Monday night, Parnas's lawyer tweeted, call the witnesses. The tweet tagged President Trump, Giuliani, and the Senate majority and minority leaders. It ended hashtag let Lev speak and hashtag Lev remembers. It also included a video clip montage of pictures of Parnas with the president and Giuliani set to MC Hammer's classic, Hammer Time. Guys, surreal doesn't even begin to cover it. And because 2016 will never fucking end, guess what? We have a Russia hacking angle to impeachment now. Yay! The New York Times reported Monday night that a cybersecurity firm had discovered a series of attempts to gain access to servers at a string of Ukrainian companies. The companies are all subsidiaries of Burisma Holdings, the natural gas company that employed Joe Biden's son, Hunter. The hacking was successful and carried all the trademarks of the campaign against the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton presidential campaign four years ago. And it follows that Russia would mean to use any information it grabbed to embarrass Biden and cause chaos in the 2020 election. Because sure, why not? Who doesn't love an extremely derivative sequel? And now we have today's reading from our Nixometer. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale of zero, normal day, normal White House, 10, Nixon resigns, flies off in a helicopter. And this morning, guys, we are at a 7.8. Yeah. 
Things are weird. Chaos reigns, and the number of X-Factors at play in the president's trial keep fluctuating. It is a wild time out there, you guys. Okay, after the break, we talk to McKay Coppins about Senator Mitt Romney, the Republican who seems the least afraid of Trump. Stick around. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL fans, nothing compares to being there live. What a play! Now the crowd is alive. And the NFL's biggest season ever is now ready for the postseason. It's playoff time. We got to win. NFL playoff tickets are on sale now. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the postseason action on the road to Super Bowl 56. Visit NFL.com slash tickets for a complete listing of games. That's NFL.com slash tickets. All right, it is time for This Fucking Guy. It's where we zoom in on a person, place, or thing that is shaping the impeachment. Today, it's first-term Senator Mitt Romney of Utah. We'll be looking at how he stands out amongst his fellow Senate Republicans as we prepare to start the president's trial. Joining us by phone from D.C. to talk about him is one of the country's leading Romney researchers, McKay Coppins. McKay is a political reporter for The Atlantic and former politics editor here at BuzzFeed News. Thank you so much for joining us, McKay. Thanks for having me. So Mitt Romney has had quite the spotlight on him for a minute now. So let's backtrack a bit. How did he go from being the 2012 Republican presidential candidate to the junior senator from Utah? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That story has Donald Trump kind of intertwined throughout it. Obviously, became the Republican nominee in 2012, uh, lost that election. But when he was fighting for the nomination against a bunch of more conservative candidates, he actually courted and received the endorsement of Donald Trump, who was at that time primarily known as kind of the celebrity apprentice host and, you know, famous New York real estate guy, but also was known as the champion of kind of this birther conspiracy theory yep. about President Obama. And he was just starting to sort of make a name for himself in right-wing politics. He had become a staple of Fox News. And so all the Republican candidates then courted his endorsement. Mitt Romney got it. 
I was at the event when Romney received this endorsement from Donald Trump. And I remember writing a piece about it. It was in Las Vegas at Trump's hotel there and wrote a piece about it for BuzzFeed about how embarrassed Romney looked by the whole thing. I think literally the headline was the humiliation of Mitt Romney. Woof. Uh, All of which is just to say that Romney and Donald Trump have always had kind of very weird and not exactly buddy-buddy relationship. Mitt Romney lost. He took a few years off from politics. But when Donald Trump then won the Republican nomination in 2016, Mitt Romney famously didn't endorse Donald Trump and in fact went around the country giving speeches and interviews decrying Donald Trump, said that if he was elected, there would be a phenomenon of trickle-down racism and Mm. trickle-down misogyny, calling him a phony and a fraud and really kind of campaigning against Donald Trump. Trump took this very personally and (laughs) their relationship has been fraught since then. Right, and then Trump lost Utah, but then we have this picture of them having dinner together after the election with Romney with his very pained expression on his face. Wait, hold on. I want to just correct something. He lost the Republican primary in Utah, and then he won Utah, but with less than 50% of the vote. Evan McMullen came in, and third-party candidate kind of split the vote. But then, yeah, you're right. So <laughs> after Trump won, there was this brief moment where it looked like Mitt Romney might actually join the Trump administration. Trump was considering him for Secretary of State. They had dinner in New York. Romney came out and said some nice things about Trump, said, you know, maybe this will all work out. And then Trump did not give him the job. And so their relationship continued to be kind of defined by comment and uh, sniping at each other on Twitter. So what makes Romney decide, okay, F this, I am going to run for Senate instead? So what I'm told by people close to Mitt Romney is that he decided to run for Senate in large part because he was so alarmed by how the Trump presidency was going Mm. and by how quickly Republicans in Washington were kind of falling in line behind the president. So Mitt Romney decides to sort of come out of retirement, run for Senate in Utah, where he owns a house. You know, he owns houses in a lot of places, but he owns a house. (laughs) He's kind of decided to to retire there. And he's a shoo-in, right? He was the first Mormon presidential nominees. And so he easily won. And he kind of saw himself as somebody who could be a figure in Washington blazing a new path for the Republican Party, kind of staying away from Trump and Trumpism and trying to hold to the old Republican traditions that he sees as kind of in contrast to what this president stands for. And uh, how's that uh, been going for him since he arrived in the Senate (laughs) in the start of last year? Well, no, I, I think it's been harder probably than he imagined. On the one hand, he has actually been pretty busy with legislation. He's found a lot of bipartisan partners on kind of a range of issues he cares about, things like regulating the vaping industry or getting compensation for college athletes. So on that side of things, he's kind of stayed busy, but he hasn't really reversed the course of the Republican Party. Almost all of his Republican colleagues in Washington continue to be Trump allies. Nobody is really breaking with the president en masse. But Romney has maintained a a level of independence that most of his colleagues have not achieved. So then tell me, why does Romney feel so much more comfortable bucking Trump than the rest of his colleagues in the Senate? You know, I talked to Mitt Romney about this, and I profiled him last year. And one of the things he said to me was that, I'm at the end of my career. I'm in my 70s. I've had my business career. I've had my political career. I'm trying to make a difference now. But it was clear to me that he was thinking about things like his legacy. And he was thinking about things like how he would be remembered in history. 
And he seems to sense in a way that a lot of his colleagues don't, that he could be defined by how he comports himself at this moment of American politics. So speaking of this moment on impeachment, where's Romney been on this? Because there's been talk among some folks out there where he's cast as like the great white hope to show that Trump doesn't completely own the Republican Party here. Yeah, you know, when I spoke to him, which was last fall, it was the House impeachment proceedings were happening. And he was kind of very studiously noncommittal on anything. What he did say was that I see myself as an impartial juror. I'm not going to weigh in on the proceedings. He did come out and say that he found it appalling that the president was soliciting political favors from foreign powers and that that was completely inappropriate behavior for a president. And then from there, he's taken some kind of less flashy measures to maintain whatever credibility he can for the Senate impeachment trial. You know, he was one of the few Republicans, maybe the only Republican, who came out and said that he wanted to hear from John Bolton, wanted to hear his testimony. He also refused to join most of his Republican colleagues in a resolution condemning House Democrats and how they were conducting the impeachment proceedings. So he's done a few things to kind of show that he's supportive of at least the process and he wants to maintain the credibility of the process, but he has not given any indication about how he will ultimately vote. Will he, though, vote with the Democrats on things like allowing witnesses once the trial begins? Because a lot of people are looking to him to be one of the four possible senators who makes a majority with the Democrats on issues like that. It's a great question. I don't know. Here's what I will say. The White House is working him pretty hard. There were reports a couple of months ago about Trump was bringing him over to the White House to meet with him. People in the White House are constantly in touch with him. On the other hand, he has maintained, like I said, a level of detachment from the White House. And what I would say is that if there's any hope of some segment of Republicans joining with Democrats on votes like that, Romney would be chief among them, partly because he seems to care even more than about Donald Trump's kind of potential abuses of power, he cares about this process being fair and being seen as legitimate by most Americans. And I think that that's going to be one of his guiding principles. So let's swing out a little bit wider really quickly and talk about the rest of the Republicans in the caucus. Are there any who seem like they will join Romney if he does vote with Democrats on procedural issues? And more importantly, is there anything in your mind that could happen during this trial, no matter how long it lasts, that sways 20 Republicans on removal? (laughs) That laugh says a lot, McKay. I've got to say I'm pretty skeptical about that. You know, never say never, right? I'm the guy who said that Donald Trump would never run for president. And thank you for that. (laughs) What I would say is there are a few other Republicans who seem to care about this procedural stuff and who have at least at times voiced criticism throughout this process of the Trump administration. Among them, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, Susan Collins from Maine, even Ben Sass from Nebraska, though he's a little more iffy. Those would be the four I would watch. So it's possible that we would get to a majority of people voting to convict, even if that's nowhere close to the 67 you need to actually convict. And that would be a meaningful statement. To swing 20 Republican senators, I would think you'd have to have more information emerge than what we have that would fundamentally change the political dynamics and change the way that Republican voters across the country are viewing this president. Because at the end of the day, most Republican senators are acting purely out of political self-interest, and they know that their base is the president's base, and that if they turn on the president, they'll face repercussions. So unless something changes the way that these voters see the president, 
I don't see a lot of Republicans changing their vote. Well, that is bracing honesty, McKay. Thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, it's time for the latest edition of our newest segment, Trial Watch 2020. It's where we run down what's happening next in the Senate impeachment trial. We're in the last stages of the House's participation before that trial starts. This afternoon, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is meeting with the House Democratic Caucus to finalize the next steps. That means we should have a resolution on the floor as early as this evening. Once that passes, and it will pass, the managers, who will be running the prosecution, will physically gather up the documents containing the articles of impeachment and march them on over to the Senate side of the Capitol building. And then they go through the process, which we described in yesterday's episode. That could be tonight or first thing tomorrow morning. So I guess you'll have to listen to tomorrow's episode to find out. Or watch the news. That works too. Okay, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we'll break down everything House manager-related, who they are, if we know, come on, Speaker Pelosi, what they're going to be doing in the trial, and, you know, important stuff like what their favorite soda is. Mine is Coke Zero. I don't know if we'll have that information for you, but we will try, because we depend on the facts here on this show. Lastly, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear my disembodied voice. And uh, maybe leave us a rating and a review. Also, tell your friends about the show and our extensive back catalog of things to know about impeachment at this point as we all figure this out together. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go in the woods. Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.